think about the Apostle Paul. As a Pharisee, he was the equivalent of like a PhD in the scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament. He would have high regard for their authority as direct revelation from God. So today in our Bible reading, we read Luke's account of Jesus' burial and resurrection. And following on that theme, when Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, which he did before Luke wrote Luke and Acts, Paul made a particular appeal that would stand up in their court of law and would, if given a chance, pass muster in any court of law today. Welcome. Hey, Hopeful. This is Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Always Be Ready segment, where we supplement our daily Bible read-through with a short exploration of an idea that relates to us thinking more strategically and living more effectively as Sunday morning touches down on Monday morning. And I'm going to just say this, today's is going to be a little bit longer and kind of follows on themes yesterday, the theme from yesterday, which was, if Jesus rose from the dead, then Christianity is true. Spoiler alert, if you listened to our reading today, you couldn't help but hear me point out all the times there was something about witnesses. Now, in what we know of as 1 Corinthians 15, Paul delivered one of the most powerful defenses of the resurrection in the whole Bible. So, I don't usually do that in this segment, but I'm going to read it to you. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 to 8. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over five hundred brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Now, my friends, Paul appeals to the scriptures, of course, just like we heard Jesus do today. Both are affirming the authority of scripture because both affirm the scriptures as directly from God's own authority. But remember, the Old Testament law required a plurality of witnesses, something of interest to even a non-Jewish audience that, that Paul was writing to because they understood they had their own legal system that required that. Oh, even like today, <laughs> we might come back to that. But consider Paul's appeal to witnesses more deeply here. Cephas is Peter, right? Peter was a, if not the, dominant leading authority in the church, early church, right? In the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts, when all the apostles are listed, his name is first, indicating preeminence, right? He was the one that made the speech in Acts chapter 2. He was one of Jesus's inner circle. And importantly to Paul's argumentation, Peter was an eyewitness of the empty tomb. We read that today. Peter also affirmed Paul's authority as an apostle, as did James, but Paul's going, hey, if you don't believe me, believe all these people. Now, next, Paul appeals to the 12, which is kind of the shorthand for the apostles, meaning capital A apostles. These are the apostles who were chosen by Jesus uh, himself to be the bearers of the gospel. They traveled with him for three years, 
And of course, that's how the story of Jesus became the story of the Jesus movement. In other words, they knew this guy firsthand, right? They traveled with him. They ate and drank and slept with him. They saw the miracles. So they would have known if the post-resurrection Jesus was an imposter or not. But here's where I think it even gets more curious. Paul goes, 500 brothers and sisters at one time. My friends, this rules out mass hallucination or corroboration of a coordinated lie. And I will ask you, in a modern court of law, what is the likelihood of conviction if you had 500 witnesses? Ah, so we've got those who are close to Jesus. We've got a crowd that are all sharing the same story of their experience. What else? Well, how about James? This was Jesus' half-brother who was not a believer when Jesus was alive. And yet, after the resurrection, James became a Jesus follower and one of the primary authorities and leaders of the early church. And if you read Mark chapter 3, you'll recall Mark saying that Jesus' own brothers thought he was crazy. Now, Mark chapter 3 doesn't call out James by name, but after the resurrection, what would account for James making such a switch? And the same goes for Paul. He went from being an ardent defender of Judaism that was arresting and even killing Jesus followers to becoming a Jesus follower and defender himself. And of course, we know Paul wrote a quarter of the New Testament. Now for a moment, friends, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a cold case detective, a police detective. What do you do when you can't go back to the original crime scene? Well, you may have collected some evidence, but you also have eyewitnesses. And it's not like Cold case detectives can't go back and make cases. They do all the time, right? Paul's exhortation to the Corinthians repeatedly reminds them that Scripture itself, God himself, said that the Messiah would come and what would happen to him. And we read today that Jesus pointed out all this to the two guys on the road to Emmaus. But remember what Cleopas said? He goes, oh, or... Are you the only idiot in the whole city who doesn't know what happened? (laughs) Uh, Rather ironically, Jesus was the person who knew perfectly what happened. The point is that if one person or even a bunch of people were making something up, a whole bunch of other people would be there to set them straight. Implicit in Paul's appeal to the Corinthians is, You should believe me for a whole bunch of reasons, but even if you don't, go ask them. It's a whole bunch of them. They were there. Now, my friends, lest I go on and on, let me end with something that is not making a case, but is an appeal to spiritual formation. Appeal to your heart. Do you remember how the guys on the road to Emmaus said their hearts burned within them? Well, We know that that was the Holy Spirit knocking on the door, right? But think about what experience is, right? That could have been the burrito they had for lunch. Remember that experience is a valid form of knowledge. But if true, it will never contradict Scripture. 
I have, I hope you have moments where you hear from the Lord and he gives you a heart level conviction in maybe a way that you don't understand. I'm charismatic with a seatbelt. I'm not, I'm not saying that God doesn't lay things on people's hearts. But if God is a God of order, and he is, he will never contradict himself. So pursue him in prayer, in scripture, and in community, and he will be found. Trust him on that. And if you don't believe me, trust the witnesses. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.